Hello, welcome to this week's episode of Juice in the Big Screen, your movies review and discussion podcast. I am one of your hosts, Joshua Tracy. And I am one of your hosts, And we are coming at you today to talk about musical let's do uh let's do let's do the future all right fair enough all right um okay so akira akira came out in uh, 1988 it was written and directed by katsuhiro otomo otomo sorry mr otomo i'm getting your name wrong uh co-written screenplay from izo hashimoto this film stars Mitsuo Iwata, Nozomu Sasaki, and Mami Koyama. Koyama. Mami Koyama. That's a great name. Mami. Nope. Did not enjoy that. <laughs> did not enjoy to. that at all. I was given no choice. Make it stop. Uh, all right. The estimated. Mommy. Fuck this bullshit. The budget's the only thing in yen. Everything else is in dollars. The estimated budget's 1.1 trillion yen. Fuck you. Uh, with the with the cumulative worldwide gross at 2.5 million dollars. Hold on. Fuck yourself. Like, what is this? I, I'm trying to hold on. I'm trying to find the um. Estimated budget in dollars because I'm not doing this fucking conversion bullshit. <laughs> Eat my ass. Uh, Isn't yen like a hundred, a hundred five point like five million? But then there's also I don't. It was the '80s. I don't know what it was back in the fucking mm. '80s. Five point five million. I had the box office here as being forty nine million, but on IMDb it says two point five million. So fuck yourself, IMDb. Something's wrong. I'm trusting forty nine million. That makes way more sense. All right. Anyway. Uh, the tagline in this movie is signal traced to Tokyo. Sure. Sure. That doesn't seem to make a lot of sense, but sure. I don't really get it. No, I don't get it either. We're just going to roll with it. This film has no major award nominations nor wins. That's in large part because Japanese uh, anime had not become. There really wasn't a good avenue for awards nominations for animated films at this point. There wasn't a best animated feature category yet and there wasn't really the recognition around anime films at this point it would come more with studio ghibli in the 90s um so it's not a surprise it's, and it's not like a knock against this movie that doesn't have any major awards nominations at this point in time there just wasn't anything available for it um, yeah this was kind of the movie that did open the door for these things to kind of advance that's right akira ran so that studio ghibli could fly uh, the plot of this movie is a secret military project in dangers Neo Tokyo when it turns a biker gang member into a rampaging psychic psychopath who can only be stopped by a teenager, his gang of biker friends, and a group of psychics. Uh, Corwin, this was your pick. You can get us started. Sure. Um, man, I don't even know where to start. I have never seen this before. 
I just knew kind of the overall importance of this film to this genre and just honestly, you know, hand-drawn animation as a whole. Um, and when you look at it from a technical standpoint, it's utterly jaw-dropping, you know, what they were able to do and understanding how they had to do it is just, it blew me away. I mean, their, the use of lighting, the cinematography, just the, the smoothness of animation in the 80s that this, you know, was able to produce was unbelievable. Um, narratively, it was um, okay. I mean, it, it's an anime story. It's, it's not exactly, you know, Schindler's List. Um, it was, you know, it was enjoyable by all means. Um, some pretty decent action sequences, nothing, you know, truly blowing you away. Um, my biggest gripe with this movie is how the soldier, the military guy was like, yeah, no, soldiers always see, you know, for what it is and, and is just here to protect people. And, and they're really the last line of defense and scientists are just here for like the glory and, and their own purpose. And it's like, that's almost universally opposite of how it goes but other than that i don't really have any major complaints you know it, it's enjoyable in all assets of watching a film both from the 80s both an old style you know anime both as just a modern film to sit down and enjoy it is what it is i enjoyed it uh i I do not care what this movie is about because it looks very nice. Like I'm this movie could yep. have been about almost anything. And I'm just here for like the vibes, the pretty much yep. the animation is so fucking cool to look at that. I would often find my myself like drifting away from what was even happening as I was staring at the screen because I was just more focused on how cool everything looked. 100%. Yep. To that effect, I don't think this film's plot is the best. It's very all over the place. I don't think it establishes the lore of Akira very well. And I don't if think it all. really. Yeah, right. Like if at, at all. Um, and it really doesn't pay off in a, in a super satisfying fashion, even like satisfying in terms of being open ended and giving you room to kind of grapple with it. However, you want to grapple with it. It really just didn't give you enough information to really have a, a great appreciation for how it concluded. But at the end of the day, I'm not sure I care very much because it looks that cool. And that might sound so fucking stupid, but shit. I mean, it really does look that fucking cool. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, it's the same reason I enjoy watching, you know, shitty action movies, you know, like Michael Bay movies are enjoyable because they look cool. Not because, well, Michael Bay is not exactly, you know, uh, inspiring writer and, you know, artiste in that way. It's just kind of like, yeah, sure, whatever. Um, See, I wouldn't I wouldn't even go it with it there because, you know, Michael Bay movies have like, you know, some some cool special effects every now and then. But the writing is so bad, it like can it can take you out of it. This it's like while it doesn't do a super great job of fleshing everything out for the most part. It moves along enough that you don't really have. It, like the, the the writing will never take you out of this for as little as, as it does in terms of buildup, it will never take you out of the movie. Like you can really just coast on those tasty, tasty 
sites. Right. I mean, I'll be honest. I didn't really follow it all that well. Just as I was sitting there watching it, there were definitely times where I was completely lost, had to rewind a little bit, just be like, I feel like I missed something. Oh, I kind of did. I kind of didn't. If you don't really follow the story at all, it really doesn't matter. Like if you watch it without subtitles, I don't think it's a vastly different experience. No, I would be tempted to say it's not. Uh, yeah, I also had kind of a tough time following all of what was happening. Like so much happens in this film for where it ends up going. Like, right. you know, it movie really seems more about this concept of internal energy and what it means to be human and if there's more capabilities than just the physical ones that are that are present and that being represented being represented in this thing that is akira but oh my god it goes down like 97 side streets in order to get there most of Mm -hmm. which really just don't fucking matter like at all um yeah, I'm not even entirely sure what exactly Akira is or any of those test subjects were, and it really does not make a difference to me. I, I understood it as they were subjects of experiments, but they were doing it on kids, so they looked like kids and they were kids. And the reason they look that like the kids biker... and sound like kids, chances are they're kids. And if they taste like kids. <laughs> um so I took it as being like they did it on a slightly older dude with the biker kid, biker gang kid. Then they were like, oh, his body can handle the power better is what I got out of it. But it also seemed so weird. It's like, why did you start with kids? <laughs> like if if his age or body mass or whatever is capable of handling the extra power experiment thing that you did on him why didn't you just start with adults like i don't again i i don't i don't fucking know i'm not here to i'm not going to start picking the part because honestly i don't give a shit i actually have nothing to say about this movie which I know sounds bad for a movie that I enjoyed but I mean when it comes down to just enjoying a film for its technical and visual aspects there's really not a whole lot to say it's like if you start this film and you think hey I like how this is coming together this is pretty good I could do this I could sit through and enjoy watching this then okay you're going to sit there and watch it and enjoy it and there's really nothing else to talk about. If you sit down and immediately think, ah, I'm not a huge fan of this art style, it's like, okay, just turn it off. There's nothing more more for you. Just go watch something else. Yeah, and you know, again, like I, I'm trying to sit here and think of other things that I would be looking for out of a discussion if I was someone listening to this podcast to try to find out more about Akira or listen to someone talk about Akira. But the problem is that the, the more things I'd have to talk about, they're all complaints. Like I, that the, the, they're all issues I have with like the writing or the, or the direction that the plot went in. And that's not interesting to me because I enjoyed this movie and I don't feel like it. Like I just, I just don't want to. And usually I have no problem griping about writing issues, but like, yeah, I just, mm-hmm. 
I like the movie too much to do that here. I I I, I, just, I just don't care. Yeah. Hard to agree. All right, so then you want to just fucking move on to Annette then? Sure. It'll be an interesting conversation. It'll be a very different conversation. Um, all right, so that brings us to uh, oh, one hey, of I'm gonna give this uh I'm gonna give this a three. Oh shit, right. Yeah, I'll give it a three and a half. Those visuals are super fucking good. Nice. It's it, like for me, a three is yeah, I would recommend watching this, but it doesn't really do anything else for me. Like that's just kind of the way I'm gonna view that. Hey, totally fair. Yeah. I thought you were talking about Annette and I was shocked. Um, yeah. for a second. But yeah. Anyway, um, so that brings us to Annette. Came out this year in 2021. Uh, it is directed by Leo Carras. It's my guess at that pronunciation. It's written by Ron Mayle and Russell Mayle. They're brothers. They are the runners of the band Sparks, who wrote all the music for this. This is an opera, a, a rock opera, pop opera of some kind. It stars Adam Driver, Marion Cotillard, and Simon Helberg. Uh, this film had an estimated budget of $15.5 million. Uh, we have no real gross. It says like 3.6 here, but like there's no way of really knowing it because of streaming. So it, it, it doesn't matter. Um, this film's tagline. Oh, I actually don't have one, which is fine. We do not need one. Uh, we watched this movie solely because it was nominated for a Golden Globe. It's nominated for best performance by an actress in a motion picture, musical or comedy for Marion Cotillard. Uh, should be noted, this also won a couple of awards at Cannes, which is kind of shocking. It won Best Director for Leos Carras, uh, Best Soundtrack for Ron and Russell Mayo, and it was nominated for the Palme d'Or to Leos Carras, but that also might have a lot to do because this film is French. Um, not in French, but it is a French production for the most part. The film is about a stand-up comedian and his opera singer wife that have a two-year-old daughter with a surprising gift, which is not surprising. She can sing. Um, they are entertainers. This was my pick. I'll start. This is the worst movie I think we've watched on this podcast. Mm-hmm. I hated this. I hated this fucking movie. I can't believe this exists. I'm furious at the creation, production, distribution, and then eventual my consumption of this movie. This was fucking awful. I cannot express how negatively my view is of what the fuck we had to watch. This two and a half hour long slog that was absolutely fucking pointless. I hated, hated this. It has no sense of reality. The surrealism that it tries to show you is so fucking stupid and trying to get across such a basic concept that it's, it begs you to wonder why they're even trying this hard to tell you about a, a, and ideas that are not hard to fucking grasp. The visuals themselves are not compelling in any way whatsoever. The music is horrible. The singing sounds like it's done live in the shot, which made the actual music and audio crap, absolute crap. I don't get why they made that choice. It was absolutely confounding. 
Adam Driver's whole character is bullshit and makes no sense. I mean, this shit sucked. This shit fucking sucked. And I just, just I, uh, to loop back real quick to this audio thing, because I know it sounds so small, but I've never been more mad at a movie than this issue, this minor of a production issue. Because I think it comes back to this idea of authenticity, where it's like, we really want to make it sound like they're singing. So they captured the audio. So if Adam Driver is singing in a scene, usually in a musical, that would be pre-recorded and they would, you know, lip sync it or they would do the actual singing, but then take away the in-camera audio to just dub over it with the pre-recorded audio so that it sounds nice. And they didn't do that. So when you see Adam Driver and Marion Cotillard singing in a scene, it sounds to me anyway, as if they're actually singing in the camera. And that's the audio that we're getting back. Obviously, it's not literally, you know, the camera's audio, but still. And I don't get why you would make that choice because it sounds like fucking garbage. Not only do these people miss notes because they're not actual singers. So the fact that they're missing notes isn't weird. It also sounds so bad in comparison to the other pre-recorded music that is the backing track. And it's distracting to have bad audio. If you're going to have something be bad, it should not be the audio. If you have the money to only make one thing good in your movie, make it the audio. It is the single most distracting thing to have be like, think about clerks. The movie clerks looks like shit. It's done in black and white because they didn't have the money to do post-production. It's grainy as fuck. But the audio's fine. So your eyes will get kind of get used to what you're watching. But if you have to listen to something that sounds bad for an hour and a half, let alone two and a half, it's going to drive you fucking insane. And just because you recorded it live as it was happening does not make it fucking better. Just because you had Adam Driver actually singing in a field somewhere and that's the audio you used does not make it more impactful. It makes it shittier. Because you think you're doing something really fucking cool and it's stupid as shit, doesn't sound good, makes Adam Driver look like an idiot because he's missing notes and makes your production worse because all everything else is pre-recorded like it should be. None of it makes any fucking sense. All right. I've been going for a while. You you, you go ahead. No, I want you to keep going because you're heated and there's absolutely not a single thing I could say about this movie that will be able to drive the point home more than you just unleashing on this rant. So please, please keep going. Why is this movie two and a half hours, Corwin? I don't fucking get it. Because my thing with this fucking thing, the plot is, is not that much plot. There's not. It's not a hard concept to grasp. None of this is hard to grasp. But yet every scene took like 10 minutes. And I know it's a musical and you have to fit the songs in, but fuck me. God damn it. It just every scene, Adam Driver's fucking stand up act or really performance art act was nonsense, absolute nonsense. And the writing of the like the crowd turning on him was so fucking bad. I was thinking maybe this is like, like that's part of the performance. Like someone literally in a dead silent audience goes, That wasn't funny, Henry. Clear as clear as day. When in the scene where the, where the crowd's supposed to turn on him after he stops being funny. Fuck you. Fuck you. Someone's in the back's going to go, that wasn't funny, Henry. That's your fucking dialogue? 
That's ridiculous. And the whole movie is like every scene takes 10 minutes and just hits you over the head with what they're trying to say. It's not hard. Adam Driver is a very gruff comedian. Marion Cotillard is a uh, is a, a, a rising opera star, which where is there a rising opera star that we all know the name of? Who fucking knows? Who cares? We're making it up to, to go with the plot. Well, the name of any opera star. Yeah, for real. Even the classic ones outside of like the three tenors. And even then, I only know like two of those names. So, I, I mean, what are we doing? Here? I know Pavarotti because of Seinfeld. That's it. Yeah. And uh, Placido Domingo is the other one I know. But I don't know. I don't know the third guy. Sure. Anyway, um, they, they get together and then it, it, it's kind of like a, it, it's like a, a, a twisted a star is born. Basically, his career goes down. Her career goes up, except instead of him dying as a way to try to preserve her career. He gets so jealous. He kills her. After they already had a child, the child is a marionette. Why? Fuck you. Um, and uh, then the uh, Marion Cotillard gives her child the gift of her singing voice. Adam Driver's career is over because he's not funny anymore. The child, he then starts trying to milk the child for all she's worth financially by booking all these gigs. She resents him. Simon Helberg ends up being a famous composer. He, uh, Adam Driver kills him because they he, he talks about how he fucked his wife and maybe that daughter's actually Simon Helberg's. And then Adam Driver goes to jail. His daughter turns back into a regular girl and uh, the movie ends. Um, fuck, it's just not interesting. It's just not interesting in any phase. And the daughter being a marionette is just such bullshit. It's it's. Because this, right, so, this is what I'm talking about when I'm talking about just blunt symbolism that you're doing because you think you're doing something. We get it. She is a prop. Got it. You did not have to do this whole big thing where she turns into a real girl at the end because she finds her agency and isn't going to be used as a prop for somebody else's act anymore. Fuck you. Fuck you. We got it. That's not fucking clever at all. You're doing it because you think you really found something and you're going to try to hit us over the head with how cool and kitschy your symbolism is. And it doesn't mean shit. It doesn't mean shit. And you spent so much time on it. Like we're all fucking idiots. And and it just detracts from any semblance of meaning you're trying to squeeze out of it. I hated this. I hated this. I do not understand how this was deemed award worthy or like even not even award worthy, but worthy of a nomination. Cause that's oh, an even real. lower bar that it definitely does not live up to. So when the movie started, like what was your thought when the very first song started, uh, which was called, can we start, which again, rolling my eyes at that, um, what was your thought when it started out? Um, I immediately checked how long the movie was. <laughs> I don't like musicals to begin with. And right. holy shit, that just did not start in any way that made me think. I'm not only interested in seeing how the rest of this film plays out, but I'm willing to sit through and see how the rest of this movie plays out. I was ready to pull, you know, the eject button, pull the eject button, of course, as you do uh, immediately. 
Yeah. Well, and you know, it's a really weird beginning to this movie because it kind of establishes a few things that really never come up again. There's this meta nature because um, Leos Karras, who, who plays the sound engineer in that shot, asks, can we start? And then the band starts seemingly improvising the song, can we start, which ends up becoming the first song of the movie, which lends itself to this very odd meta experience that's happening within the film that never comes up again at all. Then you really get the, the first semblance of this audio being live because it, it's, it transitions from being in a studio setting where you're like, ah, yes, this would make sense that they're playing music in a studio and I'm hearing that instead of a polished pre-recorded track. But then they go outside and like you can literally hear the cars going by on whatever street that is in Los Angeles. And it, again, that's interesting table setting not in a good way, because you're like, is this the movie? Is the whole movie going to be this? And it's also weird yes. because they stare down the camera for most of that of that of that that scene, and have musicians on like they run into a children's choir that joins in for that. And these are elements that never come up again. Like when Adam Driver and Marion Cotillard start singing later in the film, they don't really run into musicians who join in the live aspect of the performance as it goes on. That doesn't happen. And they almost never stare down the barrel of the camera for the, the rest of, of these shots. A lot of them are done, you know, looking at each other or looking somewhere off in the distance or at audiences. Like it's, it's a bizarre beginning to this movie because absolutely none of it matters. It didn't need to be there. And the table setting it did for the rest of this film sucked <laughs> like it's awful uh, anyway anyway yeah i couldn't even i i kept telling myself after the first like 10 minutes um uh, just keep watching for marion cotillard like that's the only reason we're watching this movie is because she's nominated for a golden globe and dude i couldn't even do that i couldn't even I, focus that much yeah no i definitely I mean, it doesn't help that she's not in the movie for the first, like, 15 minutes. It's it's all just Adam Driver doing shitty comedy. If that's what we can even call that. <sighs> he literally, he does, it, first off, his name is Henry McHenry. And it, it, whoever came up with that genius name, go fuck yourself. Like, go fuck yourself. You uncreative hack. And uh, then his bit is that he is uh, the ape of God. And oh, my God, did you just start high school this week? Like, like, you really think that's a that's a creative name? Like, whoever wrote this sucked balls. And. I really I couldn't even tell you what it was. It was a lot of like grunting and, and low mumbling. Like, you know, I went to the doctor this week and, you know, he told me to go to the circus because I was sad. And, and it's like. Is this the fucking 90s? Comedy hasn't looked like this in years. Also, not compelling. And where's his personality coming from? With 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 the the terry cloth hooded robe and and the rapping, the rapping in his first comedy uh, bit that we saw that again never came up again. And it's like I thought that was going to become a song number. It wasn't. It was part of the show. So he's a comedian. And rapper, 
Like that character just made no sense and it dominated the screen. Like, like it's it's tough to have a character be so unlikable in a romance movie, essentially. Like, it's okay if he's a bad guy in the right context. He's, he's a bad guy and he's not compelling. That's my problem. He's a bad guy who is annoying and not an interesting character. Mm-hmm. I mean, every villain that we connect with on a personal level that we, you know, empathize with that we end up rooting for in the end, even though their cause or their reasoning is unjustified or, or, you know, overall negative and, and I don't know, fucking demeanor words, words. There's none of that. It's just, Oh, you suck. And there's no reason I want to root for you. And there's nothing compelling me to do so in any capacity. So I'm just not going to. Yeah. And it's not, maybe it's not even necessarily root for, but even just to be along, want to be along for the ride. Like obviously the Joker in Dark Knight, you know, Heath Ledger's character is a bad, he's the epitome of bad. He does bad for no real reason just to watch mm-hmm. the world burn. But we're along for the ride with that character because he's an interesting character. That that lack of, that complete sense of apathy and nihilism, uh, just going straight for destruction <sighs> almost for the sake. I mean, it is. like that. That's fucking compelling. That's interesting. Seeing how you kind of achieve that and and, and the the motives for, for where you pick your moments. Like, that's interesting. This character is not. And even the way that, that you know, he kind of climaxes into the killing of Simon Helberg is stupid as shit. You know, like when we think about if I'm going to tie this back to the, the death scenes in all of the versions of A Star is Born. Those killings of the self. Are out of not just, you know, a, a passion for, for a woman, but it's also a very a signal of an internal conflict and trying to do the best that you can. Uh, or in in some fucked up view to protect somebody and there there's there's a deep sense of connection to one's shame and one's guilt and and one's bitterness to the self that pulls at you and we can see that in certain outbursts of anger sure like when it's external like what Adam Driver is doing here to Simon Helberg by killing him like we understand as humans to a certain extent the want for uh, violence and and physical violence at that, not just of, of the words, but to drown somebody for saying I had sex with your wife like years ago. Like we're way, way past this. That kid's not even a baby anymore at this point. Like we're way past this is unconnectable. It's at such a specific point in a person's life, a person's life that we didn't connect to earlier either at such a specific point in such a specific circumstance with absolutely no feeling of emotional connectivity. It does not land. Mm -hmm. I don't care at all. Not even I don't care. It seems outrageous because you didn't make me concerned enough to believe it. He killed him. 
for saying maybe your daughter is mine because I had sex with your wife a few, like what? Not even a few, four, five years ago. Like what? Why do you care? You're a grown man. I understand he was doing drugs and and, and all that shit, but if you're going to blame it on the drugs, then the, that part, the buildup to his addictions should be compelling. They were not. Uh, and you should feel something for that character and his afflictions, which none of us do because it's it. nothing along the way made us feel that way. It's just hollow, hollow movie. And when my last point here on, on the, the heavy use of, you know, visuals for symbolism and metaphor. Go all in. Or barely use it. This movie is the worst in between for um, the use of visual symbolism that I've ever seen. Like this film is caught dead in between. Uh, pick your favorite movie. Who gives a shit? And uh, the Holy Mountain. Like in the Holy Mountain, at least you can be like, oh, this is too weird for me to really comprehend all of. So I'm going to take in what I can take in. It's going to wash over me. We're just along for the ride. Um, whereas other films will have like small things like, you know, small itty bitty things that like clue you in. This movie was just an, an awful intermediary between those two points that just made it harder to watch because there wasn't enough symbolism for you to go like, ah, clearly I'm not getting this. And there was uh, so many gaps in the constant visual stimuli for you to try to actually have to interpret the movie. And it was not something you wanted to interpret. Oh, boy. Sorry, I've been talking about this one for a while. I hated it so fucking much. Do you have any uh, any final points before we, we close that up on this one? Uh, no, I mean, I have absolutely nothing constructive or really at this point to criticize this film. Um, it's a very easy zero, uh, which I've only given out once on this podcast so far for a film that I didn't even watch, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna adapt that, you know, decision-making just because of how much I wish I didn't see this and how little I was able to even watch it while it was on because of just the overall, overall just atrociousness of the production of like putting this film together. So solid zero. Yeah. Yeah. This is an easy zero. This is a straight up gimme of a zero. This was so bad. So, so bad. Um, all right. So that'll bring us into next week's picks. Uh, Corwin Heller, what you got? Uh, I'm going with a film that I've wanted to see for a while and never got around to it. Uh, Charlie Wilson's War. Oh, you've never seen it? No. I feel like you'll enjoy it. I also think I'll enjoy it. Right on. Okay. Charlie Wilson's War. Uh, I'm going to be picking another one off of the list of things that got um, Golden Globe nominations. So uh, let's try out. Um, hold on one second. I'm just wanting to see what's streaming to make my life easy. Let's try out being the Ricardos, which is on Amazon Prime. 
Oh, Aaron Sorkin sure. directed this? Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so that's Being the Ricardos, which is on Amazon Prime. It's a current Golden Globe nominee. Uh, it's nominated for... Oh, it doesn't matter. I'll say next week when we talk about it. Um, and 2007's Charlie Wilson's War, which is actually also oh, on Amazon Prime. Yeah. I remember being really annoyed. So this, I remember my parents rented this movie on Netflix when I was a kid, when they were still getting the DVDs from Netflix. And I was annoyed my parents wouldn't let me watch it because I was 13 and I've been watching horror movies like nobody's fucking business because of my dad. But I couldn't watch this one because there was like a, I think it's like a, a single, I think it starts off in a naked hot tub. I think it's like the first scene. Uh, and then after that, it's just like a political drama. And my parents were like, no, you can't watch it. And then I watched it when they were at work. And I was like, why didn't they let me watch Like, Then I'm like, oh, this must be like a super cool movie with some really adult shit. And then it's just about like politics. And it's like, ah, fuck you. Like I was so eager. Like, it's a good movie, but but it, I got it got really hyped up in the thirteen year old me's mind because I got told I couldn't watch it, and then and then it was just a good movie that wasn't like overly risque. Like it wasn't softcore porn. <laughs> like it was just a movie. But anyway, anyway. So uh, yeah, being the Ricardos, Charlie Wilson's War. They're both on Amazon Prime. Check them out. Uh, that's it. Corbin, you got anything else? Uh, no. All right. Well, if you want to follow the show on Twitter, you can do so at Big Screen Juice. If you want to send any tweets Corwin's way, you can do so at Corwin Heller. If you'd like to follow myself on Twitter, Twitter, you can do so at Joshua D. Tracy. If you'd like to send emails to the show, you can do so at juicingthebigscreen at gmail.com. And until next week, y'all have...